welcome once again to the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil is track proven, race ready. You can find a Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com. You know, here on the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil, we love talking about drag racing. We're big fans of Nitro. And joining us today, the two-time NHRA Funny Car Champion, Cruz Pedregon. Cruiser, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm awesome, Ralph. How are you? I'm good, and we're going to get into uh, plenty of Nitro before we're done talking here. But I want to chat with you first about something I think is maybe even more important to you than Nitro. And that, of course, the silver and black. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're a big Raider guy, aren't you? I am. I am. And, you know, it's a tough loss yesterday. But, you know, it's like drag racing. you got to have the right people. And, you know, a lot of – I draw so many parallels to NFL teams and games and obviously my team and and uh the you know they they're like me they've gone through some tough times but there again i'm gonna circle back to people you got to have the right people in place and you gotta you gotta hang on to them and then uh you know then good things happen so yeah the raiders are uh you know they're they're there they're not quite there yet do you study uh what the coaches do and then try to take things from that and utilize it in how you run your own operation well, I do just for my general knowledge of it. I do watch uh, a little bit of uh, the shows. Like I don't get too caught up in the in that because a lot of a lot of team or a lot of morning shows, especially, can sway your thoughts one way or the other. But I do watch uh, some of those shows, like Undisputed, uh, Skip and Shannon, uh, a little bit of Colin Cowherd, and I uh, Cowherd. I try to draw my own conclusions, but but I follow some of the press conferences that Gruden has done and the. GM Mike Mayock and I kind of followed the draft. I don't really get too in the nuts and bolts, but I kind of just get an overview and kind of form my own opinion. And that's why I'm confident to say that uh, you know we're we're just it's like anything, Ralph. You know, you've seen these teams, whether it's you know the sport you cover a lot, motocross or or any kind of racing, really anything that involves team and people. You, first, you have to get them. Then there is a gel period. There is a period of time that you know that you have to let them develop and and figure out if they're going to have the right combination to the to the lock or not so so that's kind of where i feel like the raiders are and really it, i'm going to parallel a little bit of this to what we're where we're at as a race team with the with our snap on funny car we're uh i'm in the process of interviewing one one guy that uh shall remain nameless for now but he's a guy that i feel like i feel like there's been a missing link to our team this year and it's kind of shown on the track to a certain degree so i feel like there's a uh, while we've developed a good team and brought some new people on, we do feel I do feel like there needs to be a little more depth in the in the upper side of the equation, so to speak. So so I'm excited about that, and we do have two races left, and uh, so we'll see how that how that goes. Do the Raiders know about your passion? Do they know there's a funny car champion running around out there wearing Raider helmets and stuff? Oh, they do, they do, and you know. I, I'm, I have some friends within the organization, um, but they did change regimes into the John Gruden regime. And when they do that, man, they, they change a lot of people. But I'm good friends with Bob, uh, the uh, equipment manager, and I know some of the PR people there, and they know how passionate I am. And, oh, yeah, I wear their colors. You know what's crazy, Ralph, is the amount of fans that the Raiders have across the country. Like, I can be in New Jersey or, or Epping, New Hampshire or anywhere, and I'll have Raider fans come up to me and, and, you know, and, and talk about, Hey man, we're Raiders fans too. And wearing their colors or whatever. So it's great. The reach they have, uh, the Raiders and the NFL. So yeah, it's great that I get a little bit of, uh, 
I get a little bit of publicity in a roundabout way just because I'm a fan of the Raiders. You know, I, I can see you uh, just doing a little cackle fest at a halftime, maybe. You know, uh, we have been invited to their uh, to their training camp, and it's right around the July, mid-July, late July, right about the teams, right when Sonoma, our Sonoma event is there. Well, that's right the weekend they all report to camp. And it's like anything else. Hey, man, they're nose to the grindstone. Yeah. So it's been a little difficult to try to get in there and do that, although they've been open to it. But I just think with the changes that they've made here recently with this new, like I said, the new regime with Mike Mayock and and, and Coach uh, Gruden, that they're they're kind of buck, buckled down and trying to just do their thing on the field, you know? So if you know the equipment guy, you've gotten some good swag. I know you have. What's <laughs> what's the coolest piece of Raider memorabilia you've you've squirreled away so far? You know, I do have a closet and it does have I have my little Raider section. In fact, a lot of it I've never even opened up before. Uh the coolest thing, I tell you what it is, it's uh there's a player, Hall of Fame player by the name of Rod Woodson. Oh okay? yeah, sure. So, right. Right. So I do unbeknownst to Rod, I do have one of his because they have their own the all the team staff, like the coaches and, and stuff, have their own have their own swag so they have their little initials on them so i i received some of that when the outgoing regime and the new new guys were coming out so they had so the equipment guy hooked me up with some i wouldn't say it's been worn some of it's new but it said r uh w on it so for a long Ah. time i thought rw who could that be and so i called him one day i called bob i go hey bob who did you have on the staff that was rw he goes rod woodson so i do have a a windbreaker raiders windbreaker from rod worn by none other than Rod Woodson, the famous uh, DB for many years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So that's a, so that's a cool. And you know, and I have every year they change, they get some new, uh, you know, they get some new whatever, uh, new not new logo, but just some different sure different things. So I have sweatshirts, uh, you know, uh, sweats, shorts, you name it, man. I've got I'm loaded up pretty good. I'm guessing Bob's gotten some free tickets to a couple of drag races, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That, you know, and it's funny. Uh, Bob Romanski is his name, and he's the second only equipment manager in, the, in their entire Raiders history. So the Raiders formed in 1960, and his father was the you know was the uh, was the equipment guy. So here uh, here Bob is second generation, and now his son's working there. Are going to be third generation. So uh, yeah, so they haven't uh, they haven't changed him out. Uh, luckily for me, because he's a big ra- he's a big race fan. And uh, you know, I sent him a little, I sent him a snap-on kit of tools here and there. He does work on the helmets. You know, they do use sure. snap-on tools to work on the helmets and you know, on the in the pads and the different things. So yeah, that's uh, it's been a good uh, it's been a good deal. Well, you're second generation racer as well. Um, your dad started racing, and then you and your two brothers got involved. That pretty much was following right in your father's footsteps, right? Yeah, we did. And the funny thing about it is, my dad didn't race. Uh, when we were old enough to know what it was about, we were kids, right? So we were, and we were, we were born in the mid sixties. I'm, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but my dad retired like in 1967. So we were really little two, three year old kids. So we were just running around, not knowing what was going on. All I know is we got the heck burned out of our eyeballs when we'd get in the push or the push wagon. My, my mom would push my dad down through back in the day. We had to push start these cars. We would always get the dreaded nitro burn, right? So we're little kids, yeah. so we did not like that. Well, th- that's about the extent of my memory of my dad's racing career. Then he retired and never went back, got into airplanes. And 
that was his thing, focused on business. So we as kids would go to the racetrack, we'd drive ourselves. And my dad passed away in 1981 in an airplane crash. And so we had uh, business to run and kind of just were young, you know, teenagers, uh, late teens at that time. And so we just kind of pursued it, Ralph. And, you know, I can tell you, you know, ask 10 drivers, they'll give you 10 different answers as to how they, how it was they became a racer. And today, as you know, with anything, it requires not only do you have to be good at it, you have to somehow get on teams and talk owners into letting you drive. And then ultimately you have to find sponsorships or, or whatever. So, uh, well, I'm glad I don't have to blaze that trail again, because it might be hard to, to, to duplicate. But drag racing wasn't exactly where you started. You you showed a lot of skill set in, in other forms of racing before you got behind the wheel of the dragster. Well, honestly, the affordable type of racing at the time, we grew up around Gardena near Ascot. So Ascot had a little uh, DG track. They called it DG for the Speedway bikes. A little, God, it was like a smaller than an eighth mile. It might have been a 16th mile. But And so we became friends with Parnelli. Uh, Jones's sons, PJ and Paige, and we started racing on that old DG track. Well, one thing led to another, and we would go up to Ventura, and we started to go to these different tracks. So we were full-on dirt track racers uh, in these speedway carts. They were powered by 100cc Yamahas, and it was pretty serious, man. We were, we were, uh, you know, I remember we would scale the cars, and you know, we we were pretty, especially with the Jones family. They were a few years younger than than we were, but they were pretty competitive. And we, I remember we would go in the same vehicle or the same trailer. We'd put our, you know, so we had to compete with the Jones boys. And so we became pretty good at it. We, I remember I won the 80, 1985 Ventura Speedway Championship. The next jump from there, Ralph, was the TQ midgets, the three-quarter midgets, of which yeah. I was like, man, I have this opportunity and this passion to go drag racing. But I did have my eyes on the three-quarter midgets, which was the stepping stone and then on the midgets and then sprints and then whatever beyond that. But I still, to this day, have, have the love and passion for dirt track racing. And through the years, I've had midgets. I actually do own a sprint car that I'm building now. Uh, my friend out in, uh, out on the West Coast, Sean Thomas, who campaigns a car out on the West Coast, um, ha- I have a, a Big Mac uh, sprint car that I bought, completely refurbished it. I'm going to buy an engine from Shaver because I've always loved Shaver because he's a SoCal guy from, yeah. from the Asc- Ascot days, right? So I'm thinking... I want to make, and what am I going to do with it? Who knows? I might take it out, <laughs> put a driver in it, or I might go out and take some laps. I just want to own one, uh, just to because I like the cars. I, I'm always, like I said, I've always been a fan of dirt track, and and I did a little dirt late model racing with the Prelude to the Dream back oh yep. six seven years ago, and did pretty good in that actually. I kind of, I kind of went out and bought my car, uh, bought a rocket chassis, and kind of did my own racing just kind of locally snuck around because I didn't want to go out there and be like the guy bringing up the, all oh, that drag racer guy, right? Oh, all those guys can't. So it was me and Ron Caps, right? That were sure. invited to, to this deal. So actually Ron and myself showed, I thought we showed very well and didn't crash anybody. We kind of, in fact, I remember one, uh, it was about, I think the second to the last prelude, I think it was 2011 or 12. I actually got all the way up to second place, believe it or not. And I had, it was a red, a red flag. I think Bobby Labonte spun out, or actually he spun Casey Kane. Casey Kane was leading it. Kyle was run, Kyle Bush running second, and I got my way. I found my way. Don't ask me how. I was running the bottom, kind of just catfishing, as they say, and I got up to uh, second place, third, because one guy went out. So we started, and my tires uh, sealed up, got loose, and I finished fifth. But oh. that, was, uh, that was a pretty 
pretty big deal for me. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, I know you're a big dirt track guy, and we're going to talk a lot more about that when we come back with more of the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. You know, you can do a lot with Lucas Oil to win on the racetrack, and you can do a lot to win on the street with it as well and have your car running its best by using products like this, the Lucas Oil Injector Cleaner. Use some of those snap-on tools from uh, Cruz's program over there. You can get this injector cleaner put in your car. You can find Lucas Oil products, which are track-proven and race-ready. You can find them at lucasoil.com. We'll be right back with more right after this. One of the main reasons for poor vehicle performance is a dirty fuel system. It can cause decreased fuel economy and actually do harm to your engine over time. By adding Lucas Fuel Treatment to your vehicle, it cleans and lubricates the entire fuel system, pump, carburetors, fuel injectors, and valves as you drive. It also improves your vehicle's performance. It's a non-solvent product designed to protect both gasoline and diesel engines. Lucas Fuel Treatment. It works. We will be celebrating Speedsport's 85th anniversary this year. Incredible how time flies by. To help commemorate the occasion, we've unveiled the Vault Collection of merchandise. A really cool variety of t-shirts, hats, posters, and a lot more. It's all available right now in this store at Speedsport.com. Shop for yourself or get a gift or two for your racing buddies. The Vault Collection of merchandise. Available now in this store at Speedsport.com. You know, Chris Petragon, our guest today here on the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil, is a huge fan of dirt track racing. And we produce Sprint Car Midget Magazine, which is the absolute leader in coverage of those forms of racing. To learn more about Sprint Car Midget, just go to SprintCarMidget.com today and you can start your subscription there. Uh, Do you ever think that maybe you should have stayed behind the wheel of those open wheel cars and maybe you might have been an Oxnard Nationals winner by now? You know, I do think about that occasionally. I do think about it, Ralph, and I, I, I would be lying if I told you different. And I, ultimately, the the ultimate dirt track cars to, to me and probably most of the country are the outlaws, whether it be the sprint cars or, or the, the uh, late model series. But, yeah, and to this day, I, I, I think of what if. But, you know, I've had such a great drag racing career, and, I you know, it, it was in my dad's footsteps. So I did have opportunities I'm not going to lie. I did have opportunities in drag races that I didn't necessarily have if I were to pursue the oval track racing. And, and so, and for that reason, I I really glad I stuck with what I did and I still love what I do. The nitro funny car is to me, the, the ultimate car on four wheels. However, the boy, that, uh, uh, that 410 outlaw sprint car is right there. Close second. Yeah, it it sure is. Do you, um, still get, the adrenaline charge out of the nitro funny car, the way you, you seem to light up when you talk about a sprint car. I do, you know, and it's every time is like the first time. And I tell people it's all the time, you know, driving a race car. I've never sat in a car, strapped in a car, buckled or however you want to say it and didn't, and not have my heart rate through the roof, adrenaline rush. Yeah. There's times you're a little more relaxed, which is better. It's better to be mentally relaxed but yet with a good heart rate, that's, that means you're ready. That'll mean you're ready for whatever is going to come. But, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say that I haven't, uh, uh, I can't say that I have taken it for granted when you get in these cars, they're, they're, they go, they go faster than they've ever gone before. So I get, I still get butterflies. I still don't know what the car is going to do. So naturally I'm 
apprehensive at times, but no, I, I'm still very motivated. In fact, I think I'm in some ways with the drag car because you're not, you don't have to rely on that youthful uh, stamina, so to speak. You can still be, look at John Forrest. I mean, here's a guy, a guy in our, that we raced with John Forrest. I call him the Dale Earnhardt of drag racing. He's still very good at it. And he's six, I believe 69 going on 70. So if you take care of yourself, stay motivated, stay, uh, you know, stay focused, you can still be effective as a drag race driver. Cause really you're in the car, you're not in the car for a long time. As long as you have good focus, reaction times are still the what's going to win you the races. Uh, you can still do it. Now, the stamina for the dirt track car, I don't think I would have been in the car. Although Sammy's trying to trying to turn the clock back a little bit. Yeah, he sure is. Still, but so I think it just it depends on the individual. There's guys that walk away from the sport at a young, just like you know the other day we saw a, a NFL young guy, uh, Andrew Luck, retire right out of Indianapolis here. And then there's guys like Tom Brady wants to play till he's 45. It just depends on the person. But back to your original question. Yeah. I, I still think about, I think I would have been pretty good. In fact, real good because I have that motivation and commitment and, and, uh, and uh, I think the passion, I think if I were to uh, take one thing off the shelf to make a good driver, a great driver, it would be passion because you could push through with passion. Even if you're, maybe a little lacking in some areas passion gives you that the juice man that's the fuel that you need to to overcome things and and racing's all about overcoming things so well what's, that, there you have it what's the one thing you know like you talk about sammy when steve kinzer retired you know he talked a lot about the vision you know how his his eyesight wasn't the same and and he wasn't able to um not just react but be ahead of what things were coming at him on the racetrack What's the one thing as a drag racer? I mean, here you said here's John Force, almost 70 and still winning. What's the one thing as a drag racer you can't afford to lose before your time is up behind the wheel? Well, those are naturally have to have vision, but there you can get glasses. There's 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 glasses of corrections. I, I still I'm still going to go back, Ralph, to the motivation. If you're motivated and you're passionate and you really want to do it, your your body's going to conform and you're going to do what you have to do to, to be effective. Now, that being said, if you weren't effective, if you were, if the car was better than you or you're not winning it because of the driver, then obviously you have to take that in consideration and, and step out. Uh, but in this case, you know, I look at John force, he's winning and he's a formidable driver. Like when I pull alongside John force, I'm not thinking, Oh man, here's this old dude. Shoot. I'd be able to get a jump on him. Oh no. This guy knows all the tricks. You can't over, like if you stage it in drag racing, it's like, okay, do I go in first? Do I wait and go in second? Right. Some drivers, you can kind of lull a little bit, kind of trick them and change up your routine. Oh, with John Forrest, oh, no, 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 don't you be doing that. John will make you pay. And I still to this day would rather race anybody but John Forrest because he knows all the tricks. He knows, he knows deep staging. He knows, you know, you're not going to wait him out. And so uh, I still say, hey, John is effective. And like I said, I would say, if if just from my watching him in his interviews i would say he still has that passion and that desire and so uh but of course you you need the vision you need the you know the depth perception i think a little bit more in, in dirt track racing than you do drag racing drag racing is more stab and steer but you still have to handle the car and john has let me just say this john has struggled in that area he has had his his challenges, uh, let's just say, with with keeping the car in the groove. Quite frankly, he's he, you know, and, and and so they've had to, from my understanding, they've had to change the steering and, and and change some things, his hand positions. 
but he's worked at it and he's working through it. And here he is. I think he's second or third in the points with two to go. So John Force could actually be a champion at, at age like 70. So, uh, you know, you can't take that away from him. That's for sure. How have you had to change the car then? You're talking about how John's positioned in the car, and that's pretty interesting. You don't hear a lot of people talking about that. Um, but those are some evil, wicked handling beasts that you're trying to control with 11,000 horsepower there. Um, how do how have you altered how you sit in the car, not just due to age, but just out of understanding what you need? Well, luckily I haven't. I'm, you know, I'm only, I'm, I'm stopped counting over 50. So I'm, I'm, I'm mid fifties and I still feel like I'm, I'm driving as good as I ever have. And I don't feel the car, I know where the car is and I can have pretty good vision. I don't feel the car gets out of the groove. It gets out of the groove occasionally, but not any more than it did when I was in my thirties or, or late twenties when I started driving funny car, mid twenties when I started driving funny cars. So I haven't had to do that yet. I still, I still know what I want. Like if they change the clutch a little bit or move the linkage, I could feel it. If the steering's a little stiffer, I could feel it. I just know more. And so sometimes that's worse. Sometimes you don't want to know. Sometimes you want a driver get in there and be oblivious to all that. But I notice things more when they're out of place. But as far as me getting in the car and driving, and I, I know I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not to that point where, where the cars, uh, where I get out of the throttle and all of a sudden I'm on the center line or I'm, you know, knocking them foam blocks over, I'm, I'm scraping the wall. Now I, I've always kind of put an emphasis on really, uh, being a detail oriented. So I think the day that happens, if I do it more than three or four times or it surprises me and I don't know where I'm at, I mean, it's probably time to think about retiring, but no, I, I, I can honestly, I haven't had that, that issue at this point yet. We're going to come right back with more of the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil and chat a little bit more with two-time NHRA Funny Car Champion, Cruz Pedrigo. As your power steering pump ages, seal leaks may occur, causing the power steering system to lose fluid. Your power steering system may also develop an annoying squeal, and the steering may become more difficult to handle. By using Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak, you will stop the seal leaks, reduce slack in rack and pinion, eliminate the squeals and hard spots in your power steering system. It is guaranteed to stop seal leaks or your money back. Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak. It works. Working for Hendrick Automotive Group is different from any company I've ever worked for. We're more like a family. Working at Hendrick Automotive Group, I matter. It's not just a paycheck, it's not just a job, it is a career. Being a service technician is a great career choice because you get a sense of gratitude when you get to fix something. It puts a big smile on my face just knowing I've accomplished something every day working there. With a variety of dealerships nationwide, you can become part of a great team. Apply today at workathendrick.com. Welcome back to the Ralph Shaheen Show. Chris Pedragon is our guest, a driver of the Snap-on Tools Funny Car in the NHRA's Mellow Yellow Championship Tour Funny Car category. I, you know, we talked a little bit about your passion for Raider football. I also know you love boxing and uh, fighting sports, MMA-style sports. What is it about that that attracts you to it? Is it, is it that it's mano a mano, just like drag racing? Yeah, I think it's an individual sport. You're out there when the trainer, like, let's say you're a fighter, when you get up off that stool and he sends you out there, it's pretty much, hey, that guy's trying to knock your block off. It's like drag racing in that it's just you and that other guy. And to me, there's a certain adrenaline and a, and a just as, I don't know, it's a certain feeling that I get 
and just by watching it, even tennis, I've watched pro tennis, you know, the, the big, uh, you know, Wimbledon and some of the big matches, the, the, uh, uh, I forget what they call them, but the, the, I guess the majors they call yeah. them. And it just even tennis, because there's one person against the other person. And so I still, I still like it. You know, I, and I like, I don't know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of like an edgy guy. I would, you know, if I was, if I, let me just say this, a lot of people haven't heard me say this, but I kind of like the, the bad boy thing. Like if I was, if I didn't have racing, I'd probably be, would have probably been gang banging <laughs> to be honest with you. Because seriously, I, I seriously, if I, if I wasn't a racer and my dad didn't drill into my head that I need to focus and do things. I grew up in Southern California, pretty rough neighborhood. There was nothing but gangs. If you were a Hispanic guy, you had to be in a gang. And I, I had to quit school because I felt I could have gone that way because I felt like, I don't know, just the, the, the fighting thing to me is kind of like a, I, I like the tough guy image. And I'm not saying I'm a tough guy, but I like the image of it, which is why I like the Raiders, silver and black, commitment to excellence. Um, I kind of like the bad boy thing. And I've kind of, un, unbeknownst to me, I've kind of played that role a little bit in, in race. And I kind of say what I want and, a little bit like Tony Stewart. I'm a fan of Tony Stewart's, and I kind of like that about him that he he kind of doesn't follow the the mold, so to speak. And I kind of am attracted a little bit to that. So maybe that's why I like boxing. I don't know, but but hey, who wouldn't? Who doesn't like you know the Muhammad Ali era? Although he was sort of in his later years when when I started following it. But hey, I had Larry Holmes, the one of the great champions, come out to one of our events uh, yeah. about a month ago. Yeah. And that was really, really of all of the celebrities I've met through the years and and been a and, you know, been an opportunity to meet. Let that was one I almost was like in tears because like, man, this is Larry freaking Holmes here, right? So <laughs> you know, and so for me, uh yeah, boxing I would say is right up there with the NFL. And, uh, you know, and, you know, with as far as what I enjoy away from the track and, and besides the dirt track, you know, I get these little what's cool about the dirt track racing is I can get a USAC midget race or a World of Outlaw sprint car race, whether it's a regional race in Ventura or some of these smaller, even the all stars. I get a little three to five minute video. We all do. I'm sure you do, too, Ralph. But this youtube is set up now where you can you don't have to watch the whole race you can watch this if you're if you can't be at the race you can watch a, who you could you could follow it from the time they throw the checkered flag i'm sorry the green flag to the checkered flag and know what went on kind of a highlight deal so that yeah. keeps me yeah. informed with what's going on with the usac uh racing and some of the younger kids that are coming up you know they're following the kyle larson kind of the kyle larson you know uh uh you know, midget dirt. It seems like that's where that a lot of these guys are coming from now. So it kind of keeps me a guy like me that has a busy schedule and kind of informed with what's going on. Would you say then that, um, racing saved your life then? Because if you'd have gone down that gang road, that, that <laughs> wouldn't have been good. Oh, I say that the first, the first time I'd have got my butt beat, I'd probably, I'd probably would have quit, but <laughs> I, I don't know that I was that serious about it. It's a little tongue in cheek, but I don't know. It's possible because, hey, man, I grew up. I, I grew up in, in uh, South Torrance, man, uh, San Pedro and uh, San Pedro, as the Mexicans say, and uh, you know, and, and Harbor City, and you know, you don't have to be from Southern California to know, man, those are bad places. And yeah. I, I, I don't know. I still had a passion for driving uh, uh, trucks, uh, forklift. I remember my dad used to let me drive all the equipment in the yard. So I don't know. That I, I think ultimately I would have probably just pursued. 
uh, racing because I, really, because what my the foundation, my dad, unbeknownst to my dad, because my dad didn't want us to race. My dad did not encourage racing one bit. He was like, "Oh yeah, I did that and done with it." And so my brothers and I kind of followed it, and we became fans of uh, the racing. And the and the drivers were like our like our uh, they were like the superheroes to us. Forget Superman. Hey, how about uh, you know? Don the Snake Perdome and yeah. Ray, Raymond Beetle, you know, those guys to us were the true here. Kenny Bernstein when he was first starting out. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I say that jokingly a little bit, but I think that growing up in Southern California, being around drag racing like we were, it was inevitable. Now, that being said, had I not, l- let me tell you the one lesson my dad taught me that had I not followed this, I probably wouldn't have be, wouldn't be here where, where I'm at, is the ability to talk to people and I'm not saying I'm good at it or, or anything like that, but you have to have uh, a way about you to where you can talk to owners. You can talk to sponsors. You can talk to your fans and, and, and be respectful of people. It sounds like nothing, but I, and I'm not going to mention any names. There's a lot of drivers that I've seen with in midget sprint cars, pavement racing that, that were tremendously talented, Ralph. I'm talking, way better than guys that did make it they did not have and i feel i feel for them a little bit they did not have that personality that charm that that whatever you want to call it they didn't have that you know what they didn't go anywhere yeah and so i i think you have to have that you have to learn that at a young age you have to be charming hey let's face it man today you're you've got to be a little salesman if you want to be a race car driver yeah, you, wins are important, but man, you get out of that car and you take that helmet off, and you're going to be some dud and and not want to talk and be some, you know, a little bit of a smart aleck guy. You're not going to go that far. So, uh, I had that going for me at least. A skill. Hey, I'm in the middle of the road somewhere, but uh, <laughs> I, I might I might have had a little bit of motivation and and uh, a little charm, but I think most of all passion. I think that's where. Uh, boy, if they were giving away trophies for passion, I'd be up there with Sammy and a lot of these guys because that's what it takes. Well, I think you're selling yourself short a little bit there in that driver category. A couple of championships, some U.S. Nationals wins. You're not so bad, Cruz. I think you're. I think you got a trip to the Hall of Fame awaiting you whenever you finally decide you're done with this. Hey, I appreciate it, Rob. No, it's been. Uh, hey, it's been good. I still have some unfinished business yet. I I feel like my team. What is uh, it? What's the unfinished business? What do you I'm need? Sorry? What is that unfinished well, business? Well, you know, here's the deal. I've won a championship in the 90s. I've only had three major sponsors. I've had McDonald's in the 90s. Yep. I've, we've delivered a championship, although I was the driver, only the driver. And in the 2000s, I had Advanced Auto Parts. We delivered them a championship in 08. And my one of my goals right now is I want to deliver my third and hopefully my last major sponsor and that snap on tools. And I'm going to deliver a championship to them before I hang it up because I don't, I don't want to drive until I'm, uh, till I'm not really good at it. And, or I'm some older guy that's just, you know, there, I, I want to be competitive. I'm going to walk away on my own terms. And, you know, that could be in three years. I could be in five years. I don't know, but I do want to win that other championship. And, and that way I can say I've delivered, to my the people that supported me that followed that that, that were there for me financially and su- supported me with their networks and all their all that they were there for so that would be uh something that i'm pursuing now and i'm doing it as a single car team ralph i'm not involved with the uh you know i, I don't join the join the what do they say join the uh, uh there's a saying for that 
that in in racing you it might not even be in racing but you join the other side or yeah. I, I don't know there i can't think of it right doing now, it on your own yeah you know and, and i still am holding out for you know and, and i know in, in nascar and different teams or different venues you you have to join the them or you're not going to be competitive but i still say in drag racing with the with the way it's set up you could still do it with the right people and you don't have to be part of that network and i want to i i think there's enough people that are fans of not joining that because to me if you join those big teams and they're multi-card you don't win what the hell is wrong with you right do you have everything there's no excuses with us we've got a craw a claw scratch and for everything we have and and so that to me there's something special about that still in my opinion well Cruz, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show today just before we let you go obviously the fans can see you uh, on a regular basis at all the the national tour stops at the nhra uh tell me about where they can see you with the california charger because that well, thing's right beautiful now, okay well they can see me at bakersfield when we go to bakersfield at the march meet in march there's a and there's an event there or the hot rod reunion they just had this past weekend in bakersfield beyond that uh they're gonna have to go to Riyadh, uh saudi arabia to see the charger because that's where i'm going after pomona ends we're going to that big car show in Riyadh, and i the Calif- speaking of the california charger it's there at their uh big car event there and so I'll be there from, uh, I think it's the 21st. I fly on November 21st to the 27th, I believe we're there. So other yeah. than that, uh, I just take it to Bakersfield. And, and that's, uh, that's. oh, I, before I go, uh, I am thinking about going to the Chili Bowl route. Oh, well, I'll see you there. It. I'm thinking about, and I do have a midget. It's a it's an older stealth, but to me. In, so in you're going to run it. You're not just coming as a fan. Oh no! If I go, I've been I've gone to probably six or seven chili bowls, probably two thousand six, seven, eight, somewhere around that region uh, time frame. And then I think the last time was two thousand eleven. Um, and I I had Toyota Power right when the Toyotas were coming out. And uh, so yeah, I sold all that stuff and I bought a I bought a midget, a turnkey midget, completely race ready to go. And uh, I actually got a call from one of my friends, Landon Simon, about hauling it over there. So everything's okay. in place. I just have to, I just have to pull the trigger and, and call my buddy, uh, uh, my buddy, my buddies down there, uh, uh, and, and say, Hey, I'm coming. So, uh, get me some tickets and I'll be there. And if I go, I'm going to drive. Although Dominic sells, he's on my radar. Oh, if, I bet. If he, if he doesn't have a ride, I may just go and hang out and, and let Dominic or somebody like that drive it. If not, uh, hey, I'll hop in that sucker and stab and st- I'll be really good for about four or five laps and I'll be out of gas <laughs> wanting a pit stop. Well, breaking news right here then on the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil, and I'm sure we'll be reading all go. about it in Sprint Car Midget and Speed Sport. That's, that's fantastic. I look forward to seeing that and the old Keeling and Clayton California Charger. That thing is beautiful. Cruz, thanks for joining us on the show today. Best of luck and uh, look forward to seeing it's Chili Bowl, buddy. Hey, Ralph, I appreciate the time, man. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right. Cruz Pedregon.